Hello there. Rancho Obi-Wan, the Guinness World Records certified largest Star Wars memorabilia collection. Located in Petaluma, California, featuring the collection of super collector, author, and Star Wars fan ambassador Steve Sansweet. The most powerful Jedi ever. Visit RanchoObiWan.org and subscribe to the Rancho Obi-Wan Virtual Museum. A fun, authentic fan experience. Featuring rare photos, videos, Steve Sansweet Q&As, virtual tours of the museum, exclusive behind the seen stories and information and so much more plus your subscription helps ensure the future of the museum it's the rancho obi-wan virtual museum subscribe now at ranchoobiwan.org get tons of cool perks information and history of star wars collecting from the man who knows it best steve sansui while contributing to the preservation of the world's largest star wars memorabilia collection ranchoobiwan.org <laughs> This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Do you like sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and comic books? Then you've come to the right place for your weekly dose of anything and everything geek. So strap in and let's get this show on the road. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast. Welcome to the Science Fictionary Podcast, the podcast brought to you by thesciencefictionary.com, where we discuss all sorts of things in the world of sci-fi, fantasy, action, adventure, and superheroes in the world of pop culture. I'm Daniel, and join me today are Andrew. What's going on? And Marisha. Hey, everybody. And David. Hey. That sounded so <laughs> weird. How'd I say it? Like- and, and special guest this week, we have Rob from Jedi Temple Archives joining us, part of our Red 5 Network. Uh, how are you doing today, Rob? Thanks for joining us. Well, hello there. Yeah, I'm doing great. Appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, love love talking uh, Firefly and Serenity, and there's some great Star Wars tie-ins there as well. So it mm-hmm. uh, should be a great conversation. Well, we're, we're excited to have you. This is our Firefly special episode, a show that I think most, most any fan of any of the kind of stuff we're into has some sort of affinity for Firefly. It's one we all love, and we've been wanting to kind of talk about this for a while. We started discussing it on the podcast just as part of it and this discussion has got to be so detailed and we're taking so long we decided let's just dedicate a whole episode to it the first thing i want to get into though was kind of how we all discovered the show because everybody knows this show is famous for fox making it impossible to find in the initial run it only got 14 episodes we were fortunate to get a movie after that but i am the poster child for fox missing their audience because i did not watch it it's the initial run and I don't even remember what network I found it on one day. It's an obscure cable network. <laughs> was running all 14 episodes back to back. That's how I found it. Hmm. About, about 10 years after its first run. And it's ridiculous because this is a show I would have loved if I had seen it when I was, you know, 23 right. years old. Now, it was it, on, it came on during my, what would have been my senior year of college where I was spending. Hmm like 14 hours a day in a dark room. So I didn't catch any new TV during that stretch of time and was completely oblivious to the existence of this show. And one of my good friends, we were hanging out one night, I was cooking and he came in with a a bootleg DVD set and said, hey, you've got to watch this. And uh, it was Firefly. 
And we sat down, and I'm pretty sure we sat there the rest of the evening into the, the wee hours of the morning and watched the entire series. I missed it altogether when it, when it released. And, and it's ridiculous, because like we said, we are exactly the audience they should have been targeting for this show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rob, what was your first experience with Firefly? I actually never saw Firefly during the initial run and not at all up until the release of Serenity. Um, okay. When I saw the trailer for Serenity come out that, you know, obviously Star Wars has got roots as a space Western of sorts. And it was a little bit strange Serenity and the trailer that they had for it, but it still got enough of my attention where I went and saw it uh, was instantly hooked. I loved everything about how they had thrown that together. Uh, and then I went back and watched all the Firefly episodes kind Kind of after the fact and from my understanding even when they did the initial release of the firefly series on tv they didn't do them in order they didn't feel like Correct. that pilot episode was going to be interesting enough to catch people's attention so they were kind of skipping around so it doesn't sound like uh, at least any of us that have spoken so far had the uh, what must have been a very interesting experience of watching these kind of all jumbled together out of order which would have been very strange especially considering that pilot episode was definitely rougher in terms of some of the acting and some of the some of the camera work they did. I mean, this series right. progressed really quickly in terms of quality. But that or that early episode, I, I could see why maybe they didn't want to put that right at the forefront of it initially. Well, right, but that that pilot episode though does establish everything. Like right. that's when you if you watch Train Job before you watch the pilot, it it doesn't work as well. David didn't actually answer yet how he discovered the show. We kind of know, but uh-huh. um, so we sort of made David watch it. <laughs> yeah, so I've always heard about the legend of Firefly. I'm a big nerd sci-fi fan, especially when I first was getting into high school and started discovering all this stuff. And everybody would always talk about, and there were actually kids my age who were even bigger geeks than me who had watched sci, who had watched Firefly, and were ranting every day in first hour about how they're so mad that the fox canceled it and um so i've always heard about it i knew the whole deal with them being canceled and stuff but i did i didn't watch it until just a couple of weeks ago when we started watching i started watching star trek for the first time i started watching x files for the first time and andrew marisha and my dad were like you you gotta check out firefly eventually we gotta do that and Finally, I just said, you know, I actually don't, I think that we had even said that we were going to wait till we were done talking about Star Trek before right. doing the whole fire. Well, because thing. I told you, I told you don't yeah. watch it. Don't start it <laughs> in the middle of something else because you're going to, you're going to finish it. Like you're going to sit there and you're going to watch the whole thing. And that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I just one day <laughs> randomly, I was like, I didn't realize that it was on Hulu and would be so easy for me to find. So one day I accidentally found it on Hulu and we'd already been talking about it. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch it. And I watched the entire thing in one sitting and I tweeted at like 3 a.m. Like, just watch Firefly. This is amazing. Then like five minutes after that, the science fictionary liked it. So it's okay, we're both up at 3 a.m. That makes me feel a little better. But yeah, he he told me, don't start watching it. But I, I couldn't resist. It just looked so good. And, and I fell in love with the show instantly. Watched Serenity the next day. Had, I... I like rented Serenity online because it wasn't available for free. I could find love that. And I would love to go to my comic book store and find some Firefly comics because I've actually seen them there. Uh, the one that me and my dad both go to, I see them there on the shelves and never had interest. But now next time when, when, when that all comes back, I'm going to, I'm going to be uh, 
spend some cash at that guy for some Firefly comic books. I just, I need more, you know? And I think that's kind of the, it, it's been an interesting thing because there's not many things in TV history that have had such a short life, at least on screen, getting new stuff that just, it persists. It, it keeps, the fan base keeps growing. More and more people come to love it every day. And I, I find that, you don't find like you find two groups of people. You don't find people that love it and people that hate it. You find people that that love it and people who haven't seen it yet. That's very right. true. We're going to get in on that, but we also though have some some Twitter questions. Andrew posted a a tweet for us for us uh, and asked for some questions, and we were glad to get several responses. And I'm just going to go through a few of them here. Um, the the Force Losers podcast asked us, did we feel that the movie was a satisfying conclusion to the story? And he says he'll take his answer off the air, which is fine, considering that we're recording this three days after your question. So we appreciate that you being patient and taking it off the air. <laughs> hey, it's, <laughs> but, uh, we're recording we late. the movie was a satisfying conclusion, though? But Yeah, we're recording late, but it's still going to release on time, so we're good. Yeah, there you go. But well, but how do we feel about that? And I, w- I was going to let Andrew start with this. Okay. Um, how you felt about Serenity closing out the story. So, like anything like... Star Trek or, or Star Wars or anything like that. It's a massive sandbox. There's tons of story to tell. But what you did get was a very satisfying conclusion to Malcolm Reynolds' story. The end of his fighting the war. That movie is so... It, it's a microcosm of the war. It, it's, it's taking this idea of two true believers who both believe that they're fighting for the right side and and pitting them against one another and one of them having to admit that they were wrong. And so while I would love to see more Firefly, I think that we do have a really solid bookend for Malcolm Reynolds' story. And and I think not just Malcolm's, but kind of really the whole crew. I mean, we sort of got a story out. We found out what happened to uh, Summer Glau's character, to River. We, we kind of got more background there, why the Alliance wanted her back, because they had put her in a room with these people and she had information she wasn't supposed to have stuff they didn't want to get out that's why they were looking for her you know we we get um and like you say we get the conclusion to mal being able to 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 fight against the alliance and the reason why he feels this need for this independence from the alliance and is it doesn't just wrap up his story though the the whole thing about and I think, did Joss Whedon not also explain that that basically would have been his season two story arc? So the, the movie was a number of kind of pre-planned story arcs that they would have moved forward with on TV had it kept right. running and they just kind of crammed them into the movie, made them work. Right. And I think they did make it work. It's The movie is actually my favorite episode, if we want to word it that way. And it did for what we had to work with. And we, we talk about Firefly only getting 14 episodes. But the truth is, I think that show works well the way it is. Throughout the course of the series, a lot of what made some of the characters, some of the character conflict interesting kind of got resolved. We got to see Wash and Mal sort of hash it out about where they both stand with Zoe. There was some conflict there. It, you know, it, it, it was resolved to a certain extent on the show. Uh, you didn't always know where James' loyalties lied. When Mal locks him in the airlock and threatens to send him out into space, you kind of really got to see where James' loyalties were. He didn't like River and Simon. It was bringing the Alliance down on him. 
but he was loyal to Mao. He didn't realize doing what he was doing was, was betraying Mao. And he had a problem with that. He didn't want Mao to tell him what he'd really done. We kind of got to, we kind of eventually got to figure out where James loyalties really lied whenever the first half of the, of the show, we didn't really know. And then you get to carry on and finish out River and Simon's story through the movie. So I think it's the best ending we could have gotten. And they did a good job of giving us what we needed to let that show stand where it is. Even though we'd have loved to have had more, I think it works well where it's at. Rob, what did you think about the way they, you know, with that being the ending, if that's the last chapter, like, how do you feel about that? The thing about the movie, especially after going back and and watching all the episodes, the movie showed what they could do with that when they had the budget to really make the effects, uh, you know, bring the effects up to the level of the story that they were telling on the show. And, you know, as the show went on, I think the effects got better and better, but, uh, you know, the movie was, was visually a standout in that regard. And I love the whole, the the whole storyline of the operative kind of chasing down Malin, that whole concept of a true believer, because the thing about Shepard book all through the, the, the show itself is that he kind of implies that he has a background very much like the operative where he had a period of time where he really believed in something. And, and clearly that was shaken up and and there was some violence in his past. So, you know, I kind of see the operative at the end of the movie, uh, starting down the same road that Shepard book was on. So you kind of lose the old guard and and you're bringing in the the new guard where you can see that he's going to kind of have to go off and, and refigure what his beliefs are. So that was really cool. I thought it was a, a great uh, send off for all the characters. I thought, you know, like Daniel was saying, it it wrapped up and resolved a lot of the the storylines. You do get to see Mal get some peace. You know, he and Inara kind of. It's implied that you know they're they're kind of starting to get to the point where they're willing to recognize the feelings they have for each other and possibly pursue those. So it was great. It was just too bad that it had to end that way because especially after the movie, there was so much more I wanted to see of that. Uh, and we're just not going to get that yeah. at least not as of yet. Marisha, we didn't get your, your feelings on the movie yet. You thought it was a good yeah. book end of the, to the story. I mean, I, I did. I, I thought that it, I mean, I think pretty much I'll kind of said all of my thoughts on it, but yeah, I thought it fit with the rest of the story and it provided the closure that, that I think we needed for, for our characters. So David going into Serenity, I just binge watched the whole thing. I knew that this, and I, the, going through the whole show, I knew this was what was going to come. And I honestly, uh, having no idea what Serenity was about. I managed to avoid spoilers for this entire show. Uh, and having no idea what was going to happen in Serenity. I was really, really nervous. Actually. I, I felt like it was kind of going to go out and be like, Oh, okay. Well, I guess I'll go watch uh, Big Brother or something now. But like, I actually really ended up enjoying the movie in a very satisfying way where it left me satisfied but wanting more, which I think is exactly what any ending to any show or any story should be. It, it should be that it's a, it, it was a real climactic finish that I thought wrapped up things very, very nicely, way better than I expected it to. And left mm-hmm. me really happy. Like I'm, I'm honestly okay with it. Like if they didn't do any more Firefly stuff, I'm okay with having this nice little package that is the 14 episodes and then Serenity. Um, I loved what they did with Serenity. I loved the twists and the turns. Finding out that the Reavers were the fault of the Alliance. I thought that that was 
super awesome. I, I love that element of it because it's all about Malcolm. Like Serenity is about Malcolm. And Malcolm hates Malcolm hates the Alliance. Yeah. But there's one thing that he hates more, and that's Reavers. So to find out that that the, the Reavers came from that, that the Reavers were innocent people who were who were turned into this because they did exactly what Malcolm was afraid of. I, I thought that that was excellent. I love the whole you have to getting getting the truth out. There's some elements of it that I thought were kind of weird. That like it felt really out of place. The whole um, what what was he called, Mister Universe? And his love bot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like Mister Universe felt really out of place to me, kind of. And, and so did even like the operative, like the uh, the guy hunting them down. Like it just felt really out of place for me. Um, it didn't feel quite like Firefly, so that kind of took me out of it sometimes. But then I kind of realized that I kind of had this feeling that like he only included them because he had to come up with some kind of plot element to rush all these stories. So it just is what it is. But still, despite all of that, I, I thought that Serenity was was a great wrap up, especially to Malcolm's story, which, you know, everybody has their favorite character, but Malcolm is the main character. And to wrap up his story in a very satisfying way, because I can imagine him now going home, putting the six shooters up on the mantle and, and sitting down and, and being done and, and him being done. So so having a satisfying end to his story makes me happy with the ending to Serenity. What makes me happy with Serenity overall and the whole end to the whole but thing. He's, but he's not going to do that because he's never giving up the independence. He's never giving up the freedom Serenity gives him. That's that's Well, I just meant that, that he can stop fighting the war is what I mean. Right. Like, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that's not, the point of the movie. And he tells people throughout the series, let me fight a war and you'll see another side of me. And the truth is he's never stopped fighting the war. And it, it comes to a head in Serenity. And, and we do see that other side come out of him i mean when we pick up with it it's it's jarring he's 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 angry and bitter he's mad because he ran anara off he's mad because of all these things and and because he feels like he's finally about to he had kind of found his way to keep fighting the war and he's so close to it just all going away and and so that's kind of where we pick up with mal and get this conclusion to where he finally has closure with the war. And I'm kind of like, David, I, you want more of it, but uh, but at the same time, you left that movie going, well, if that's all we get, I'm actually satisfied. Which is which is strange. Now, I would have loved for this show to run eight more years and have three more movies, but, you know, if what we got is what we got, it is actually, it, if you take the entire story as a whole, all 14 episodes and the film, it works well where it's at. It's got mm -hmm. a, it had a satisfying conclusion or as satisfying as Jaws could give us with what he had to work with. So uh, I think we're all pretty happy with uh, Serenity being the final chapter. And if it would have kept uh, going for eight seasons, like you say, it, honestly, it probably would have gone to a point, you know, think of any show that you love that goes on for like 12 seasons. There's some real stinker seasons in there. Some things that kind of ruin the overall package and make you look at it with a bit of a, a bit of a sour taste in your mouth. Well, um, one of the and things so we'll talk about as we get up, one of the things we'll talk about as we kind of get down towards the end here is that it it is this thing where there there are no bad episodes the movie's great and it just it's kind of this perfect little thing and and do you mess with it right but what you got next well the backyard tardis actually uh, sent us a question he wanted to know our thoughts on another show in the Firefly universe but with a different crew. 
if we thought they could be successful today. Is that something we'd want to see? Rob, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think it's tricky. I think that um, you run into the same type of problem that they've had with some of the Star Wars films with uh, the fact that, you know, they kind of caught lightning in a bottle with Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. And it's hard to recreate that. And I really think that what they had with the group that was the crew of the Firefly or the crew of the Serenity um, – was was that same kind of lightning in a bottle. They just melded together. You felt like they were a crew. You felt like they were a family. I'm not saying it couldn't happen, but uh, I don't know that it's something you could stake You know that big a change on. I, I think you could... You know, if, if those actors and actresses were still interested, you could do something down the road with them um, and fill in some spots in that crew, but um, it, would be, it would be strange to see that universe with different people yeah, as the right. center of the story, I guess. And I tend to agree with you. I don't, that show works because of the group of people we had. And we're going to get into the characters later too, about the, those relationships. Cause that's the thing that made this show so great to me was he really managed to put together this, write this in these incredible group of characters who are all so different and all find a way to work together that they all play off each other so well. And this great cast to portray them. I, it's not the it's not the universe or the world that this is set in. I'm so interested in. It's actually those people. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure I'm interested in seeing something else with a different crew. To be honest, I feel like it could be a thing where they would announce it right, and it's like new Firefly show, and we're like, woo! And then it gets closer and closer, and we're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like, you know, it actually premieres, and most of us forget that it's premiering, and we don't watch it. Or most of us watch it for a couple episodes, and then we're just like, "All right, well, not the same." Not the same. Where's Malcolm? Where you know? I, this is. I mean, oh look, there's a, uh, there's Kaylee. But um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go watch something else now, and you kind of just forget about it. I don't. I don't imagine it being something that would even be successful. One of those things, like you can do it. And there are rumors that they could, that that it could be coming. Fox has basically said the only thing that stopped them from moving forward so far was that they didn't want two space series running at the same time right now. And the other being the Orville, which has moved off of the network now. Right. And so it is possible that they could do it. You got people like Jewel State out there saying, I want another series and I want to be the captain. And I'm down for that, but it is a big risk that you're, you're opening this thing back up and you're, that, that is just perfect the way it is. And it could be amazing and it could be a colossal failure. But if mm-hmm. it's a failure, it doesn't take away what came before. You mean it wouldn't ruin your childhood? N- no, it... or my early 20s. I'm sorry. <laughs> that wasn't helpful. Yeah. I'm sorry. You the only way that, that it wouldn't affect it is if they don't try to touch with like, the lore of the world or bring up stuff like that. Like if they just leave it alone, but I could imagine them doing a thing where like they start a new show and they're just doing more of the world and that's super cool. But then like two seasons into that, they completely jump the shark and they bring like a robot version of, uh, of the operative <laughs> back and he fights like Malcolm who's old and grizzled now. And like, and, and just the whole thing, everything that happened with serenity is just completely null and pointless you know like i i could imagine them doing something like that that then would affect what came before but i, I don't mean to be so negative i would i love this show and i would love to see more of it i would definitely watch it i am just skeptic because i've been hurt in the past 
uh, with thing with things similar to that, and I wouldn't want that to happen right. again. And I could see them jumping the shark and doing that, but I, you know, put the right people. I mean, like it'd have to be Joss Whedon in charge of it, right? Like he'd have to be the one to do it. And I don't know if that's if that would actually happen. I don't know like how rights work, and I don't know who owns what. But put the right people in charge of it, and it could be really great as long as the people doing it have the restraint. Then it would be a really great thing. But I'm just. I'm skeptical. So real, real quick before we move on from the backyard TARDIS's question, he did have a second part to that. No, he he did, and I have that written down to get to. Oh, okay, later. we can get to it later. We can get to it now if you want. I was just to. gonna just plow through it real quick because I don't want to spend a lot of time on okay. it. But uh, well, he I did also. Would, I figured you would be the one to actually have something to say about it. The <laughs> second part of his question was what we felt about Nathan Fillion as Dash Rendar. And the only reason I was going to ask this question was just so Andrew could answer it. I knew he was not going to let me move away from it without asking. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I mean, I'm all for Nathan Fillion showing up in Star Wars, and he would be an awesome Dash Rendar. At the same time, like you do have Zach Levi out there actually saying, I want to play Dash Rendar, and I'm down with that too. But yeah, Nathan would be an awesome Dash Rendar. And, and I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that's like, bring Dash Rendar back. I always liked Dash Rendar. I know there are people that really don't like that character for some reason, but I think that's a perfect character to have show up. All, all the all the rumors of characters showing up in the uh, Mandalorian, I, I would actually maybe be more excited about Dash Rendar than a lot <laughs> of the rumored else? ones. Uh, yeah. That would be the coolest cameo. The next CERU podcast, we're going to talk some more about these castings because I'm starting to wonder if, if these castings are true, I'm really starting to wonder if it's not for a second series. It's almost like a Rebels sequel in live action. Yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, It's starting to get iffy whether, you know, there's so much. It's just weird how much is coming out. But let's uh, let's stay on no, Firefly. Completely off, to- completely off topic. <laughs> but to kind of segue from our last Twitter question, uh, we had one here, too, that if we had to create our own spinoff series, who would it feature? And Andrew started touching us a minute ago whenever he mentioned Jewel State saying she would love to be her own captain in this universe. Is that a spinoff we'd like to see, or would you like to see something else? I mean, I think that what I would really prefer to see, like I I love Jewel State, and I I would love to see her come back, but honestly, I think your best bet is to not even call it Firefly. Give it a different name, or Firefly, and give it some uh, an extra title, a and firefly like, story. And like let's let's move away <laughs> like away from this crew and just do something totally set in this universe but not where we're constantly trying to feel like we got to name drop the original cast to make it work and you got to right. have everybody pop back up to make it work and then yeah, really but I really about think that was sort of the that was sort of the essence of the question was that we were going to spin off any of our existing characters. I, um, I mean, um, so probably not really is your answer to the question, right? I mean, I, w- I would be down with seeing Jewel state back. Um, honestly, my favorite might be what if Jane had a crew? <laughs> <laughs> and I got to tell you, if we were going to spin off directly from, what we've already got from any of the existing cast. Mine's not even a main character, but Saffron. And I don't even know that Christina Hendricks would do it at this point, but a series set in this universe just focused on Saffron running around scamming people. 
I'd watch that. <laughs> you know, that could be uh, interesting. Yeah. I, I do think you might could go back. It might be interesting to go back and tell Shepard Book's story. Yeah. Well, but we've told it. Yeah, in a comic. It's, it's a graphic novel. It, I mean, it's a graphic novel. I know, novel, I've got and, it, but... And, and that's what I'm saying, though. I don't know that that story works in a series. Ooh, you if, you haven't read the, if you haven't read the graphic novel of Shepard's Tale... You won't really understand why I'm saying that, but it covers a lot of time. And I don't know if there's any one point in time in its history you focus in on and have it be that interesting. But maybe, though, maybe they could make it work. Of course, you know, we've lost Ron Glass, so you would you would absolutely have to recast it. You do it much earlier. Well, no, I mean, I think you go back. I, I think. Yeah, so you probably would have recast it in the first place. That's true. I'm not thinking. But I, don't, I just, I don't know that a story works in a series if, if you want to tell the same story we already have in the comic book, if you want to consider that comic book canon. But, but Rob, what kind of spinoff would you like to see if we had to spin off any of the existing cast? I mean, for me, if, if you want to go with the female captain uh, and kind of keep it, in that same vein of, of what they had with Firefly, then I definitely think Zoe would have been the character. Uh, I love Jewel State too, but again, the way that they the way that they played that Kelly character, <laughs> I don't I don't picture her running right. an entire crew. Right. She likes her engine. Yeah. <laughs> she likes her engine. She sure. likes her uh, you know her sockets and her wrenches and stuff. So it would just be it would be kind of a strange thing. She didn't seem to have like the. Uh, I don't know that, that edgy quality mm-hmm. that you need to be to be the smuggler type. Um, and I know that you know Nathan, the whole Nathan Fillion thing was was kind of a riff uh, that Josh Whedon was doing on on Han Solo. Um, and again, it's clearly not a, a direct correlation, but uh, he pulled it off awesome. And I could definitely see Zoe pulling it off as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm a big Gina Torres fan. I, going going back to Star Wars again briefly. I've been rooting. Like it, people keep talking about Ray Sloan, and I'm like Gina Torres, please mm-hmm. Gina Torres. I think she may be my favorite. I think she made me my favorite character in Firefly. She's just she's something, and damn, she's gorgeous. <laughs> I was watching the other day. I was like, why is there a woman out there that's that beautiful? It's not fair. But she's uh, <laughs> you know, her character is one of the few that's really always got it together. Oh yeah, like she's kind of the one that that keeps everybody else from just. Mm-hmm spiraling well and doing the craziest thing possible mm-hmm. you know and even jane's even jane's a little That's scared cool. of her so <laughs> david have you given any thought to a spinoff i have thought about what more i'd like to see in the world and what i would probably like to see because i agree the, the characters made the show but at the same time i still am extremely fascinated with the world the the future no aliens is the future of humanity the underground smuggling thing, uh, the Western, all the different towns that we saw. I still love that. And I'd love to see more set just in that. And I think what would probably be the best show for me, at least would be something entirely different. Not like like just an entire new crew. Mm -hmm. Keep the same archetypes. I don't care if you completely rip off the original crew, Mm -hmm. please do it. I don't care, but just make it a new crew. Um, new actors, new characters, and set it in the world, and just have them going on more adventures and seeing more about uh, about what this world is like, and more of that just pure space western thing that I would just love to see. Um, what I have thought about is, and I, I don't think I really want to see this, but I could see it as a possibility. What do you guys think about a prequel showing 
the war, like the entirety of the war. I mean, you know, it could be interesting, I guess. I guess it depends on how you how you decide to tell that. It would definitely have a def- it would definitely have a different feel than mm-hmm. the show mm-hmm. had. Certainly. Uh, yeah. They could do they could do the prequel on how uh, how this ties in with the whole alien uh, Wayland Yutani Corporation. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Since that uh, was featured in the pilot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's another interesting thing about the show is we, we never got any aliens. And apparently humans are the, I mean, we're 500 years in the future is when this show set, 2517. And we've settled a whole nother solar system and, or solar systems, rather. Apparently in this future, humans are the only sentient race. Like that's my only explanation for it. We never ran across. Well, I mean, I think the I think it's interesting, right? I mean, the importance there was always going back. I mean, was the show called Stagecoach that that Josh kind of based this on? Oh, the old western show. But the it was wagon trips, Yeah, it, it was a show that it was it was an old show, and it was basic or either a show or a movie, and it was about this group of travelers traveling west together on the stagecoach and, and all the things that happened to them along the way. And that was sort of the inspiration. And so I think, you know, adding in aliens really kind of convolutes the story they're trying to tell, which is this is this is the future of the human race. And it's that's the concern of it, not... Right. It's, it's a different concern than, you know, if you change it, if you start depending on how you do the aliens, I mean, you kind of become a low-tech Star Trek real fast. Right, and it's... It, they did a good job of actually of not falling into that trap, and it, it, the show's better for it. Yeah, I so. think so. It's it's a very. I mean, I don't have a problem with Star Trek ripoffs. Clearly, um, I love me some Orville, but I think that since they were going for something so different, it was good to make it you know really make distinctions with the aliens and and they're not traveling entire galaxies they're they're in one star system you know so they're kind of it's it's a very different sort of scale than a lot of sci-fi we see Hey guys, this is Dave and Liv here from Pizza and Parsecs, and we're super honored and grateful that Science Fictionary is letting us jump in here real quick to geek out about one of our favorite shows, Firefly. Right off the bat, let me just say that this is an incredible show gone too soon. I was, however, grateful that we got to have a follow-up to it with a movie, but I still ache for more. Yes, I greatly loved watching Firefly with you, actually. It was one of the first series that you introduced me to uh, when we first started dating. So it was always going to hold this really special place in my heart because every time I even think about it, I think of just the beginnings of falling in love with you. It's a show that's near and dear to my heart for a lot of reasons. But Liv, what were some things that you really liked about it? I really enjoyed the unique take on Western sci-fi and space. Just the overall dynamic and kind of looking into it from a different point of view. You know, we have Star Wars that is so unique. And then when you introduced Firefly to me, I was like, oh, this is just going to be another Star Trek or Star Wars. But no, it was its own brand of space and sci-fi and Western all in one. But specifically, I loved the character development and just the overall character like uniqueness and how each one was different, especially Zoe and Wash and their dynamic, just because I identified 
so closely to Zoe being this very outgoing, very dominant human being. Warrior woman. Yeah. Girl power. Girl power. No, yeah, they're definitely the big power couple of the show. One of the reasons I initially loved this show is because I also love this show called Cowboy Bebop. And this is sort of a live action American take on what Cowboy Bebop was. It was such a fun space western. And one thing that I really enjoy about this show is something that you actually mentioned, and that's the character development. One of the first things that comes to mind is River. And River is an enigma wrapped in a mystery. As we progress throughout this series and eventual movie, we get to gradually peel away these layers of what her entire story is. And where did she come from? What was this thing that she experienced that made her the way that she is? But they don't only do that with River. They also balance that out with the other characters. We get that with Kaylee. We get that with Jane. We get that with Simon. We get that. You know, the list goes on and on. I would be remiss in not mentioning Mal, of course. Love me some Mal. Nathan Fillion is one of my favorite actors in general. And I love the personality that he consistently brings to the table, especially in a show like Firefly. And the last point that I want to make real quick is... I just love the emotional depth of this show. We talk a lot about the character development, but there's also world building and there's this entire ecosystem of profound relationships that are developed over the course of this series. And for a show that's almost entirely set in space on this Firefly-class ship on Serenity, it's surprisingly grounded in that way. All these characters are so relatable. They all have aspects, for me at least, that I find myself, I can relate to this piece of that character. I can relate to this piece of that character. It's a very real and authentic show, and I love it. Once again, very grateful to Science Fictionary for letting us jump in here real quick and geek out about Firefly. Really excited to hear what you and Jedi Temple Archives have to say about it, and just want to thank you guys so much. Thanks, guys. Just scanning through some of our, a couple of our other Twitter questions, uh, we got one here that was actually on our list to talk about when we get more of the detail of the show. Uh, Robert Faree, I hope I pronounced that right, at Wicked Steel, uh, had actually asked what our thoughts were on the language in the show and how it was how it was used, and and we were kind of going to get into that uh, as we go forward. So I think we're going to put that on hold for a second. But Robert, we haven't forgot about you. That's already something that uh, interests me as well. So we're going to talk about that in a few minutes when we get into more detail about the show. But really, what I wanted to ask you guys about while I had you here was what it was specifically or most about the show that made us fans. What is it about the show that makes us love it so much? Hmm. And I, I actually was going to get Marisha's thoughts on that first here. Okay. Marisha's thoughts. Yeah. Marisha likes to listen first. Okay. Um. I, I'm a big history buff. I always have been. History's always been my thing ever since I was a kid. Um, and it really has a a feel of reality. As in, you know, it, it, looking back over how, you know, Westward Expansion worked and how people approached it and how people felt about it, and then to place that same sort of concept in space it's so believable and it's so it's like it it's it's got the 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 trials and the tribulations and it you really buy into it you buy into these characters as and 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 I I tend to be a fan I think of kind of character driven stories um and I think that's the main thing is that I really buy into these characters as um having a past and 
in this universe that is different from the world that we live in, but is very recognizable. And so I think that's kind of the charm of it for me is that it's it's really recognizable in a lot of ways, but it's it's different enough to be uh, completely novel and kind of something different to explore. And, you know, that's what we love about sci-fi is it's a little strange. And Andrew, what about you? So what is it that makes us love this show? I think Marisha, what Marisha is talking about is that it, it's, one, the characters are, are so enjoyable. They They feel real. You care about what happens to them. And and then again, like the story, it, it's it's believable. Like it's not this sci-fi. Sometimes sci-fi series are so out there that like it's like it's really cool, but like you can't really imagine totally in in putting yourself in that situation because it's so far out. Whether it be the technology or, or aliens or whatever, it's that it's a story that has been told countless times in history and and in our history here in the United States has been told you know you had people after the civil war that didn't feel like the civilized world was for them and they went west and they went west and went west until they ran out trying to escape the coming of civilization to those areas and and so in in that way you're you're taking an old story and you're making it fresh and, and not only are you taking an old story, you're taking real stories from our not-so-distant past and making them fresh. And, and I think that's a big part of what makes us latch onto those characters. It's Sometimes you get a show where you've got one character that you relate to. But I feel like Joss Whedon was so good in the way he developed these characters that there are episodes where you can relate to any or all of those characters and what they're going through. And, and that really attaches you to them. Absolutely. It, and, and for me, it is the, it's, it's not just necessarily the individual characters themselves. It's the relationships they have to each other. Mm-hmm. Like I said, he did such a good job making these believable relationships for each of these unique characters that I'm not sure how often we've actually seen it work as well as it works on this show. Uh, I mentioned Jane earlier and where his motivations lie. And you start to realize he is, he's a mercenary first and foremost, as long as somebody's paying, paying him, he'll continue being loyal. But for whatever reason, he does have this loyalty to Mal that when he realized what he had done to Simon and river actually betrayed Mal, that kind of upset him. And Mal's this kind of character who does, you know, spawn loyalty in people. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it just, it all works so well. Yeah. And the, the thing with Mal and Zoe and Wash and, and even Simon, who's a character I think doesn't get enough credit. And I love the line in the show where Jane accuses Simon of seeing the cops and running. And Mal says, you can call the doctor a lot of things, but coward ain't one of them. Like I just, you know... It, he doesn't have to be the tough, rugged, pull himself up by his bootstraps kind of character. He was born into privilege. Doesn't mean he has to be a coward. Mm-hmm. And Mal's not the type of man to judge somebody by what they were born into. He judges a man by his character, and he can tell the doctor's not a coward. Mm-hmm. And I just, I don't know, like just the relationships between the individual characters is what drives the show to me. And they all have those great relationships. I love his relationship with Kaylee. She's like a little sister. You know, they they speak a lot of Chinese <laughs> on the show, and it's actually Mandarin. And they never give the subtitle for it, 
But somebody actually went back and translated a lot of it, and one of the phrases he uses for Kaylee in Mandarin more than once on the show actually translates into little sister. Hmm. And you didn't need the translation to know that because you can tell by the way Nathan Fillion and Jewel State interact with each other on the show, that's the relationship they have. And it just, it it all works so well. But it, if anybody else with what really made us love this show, what drives it for you, you know, y'all can jump in, Rob or David. I have some thoughts, but I'll let Rob go first if he, uh, if he wants to tell us what makes him love this show so much. For me, it's, it, it's a lot <laughs> of what you guys have already talked about. I think that uh, story and and character is by far the thing that drives me to a lot of the things that I enjoy. Uh, if you have really good characters, believable characters and a great story, then you can, you can kind of get by some of the other issues. And we talked about it earlier, you know, the, especially in the pilot episode, you know, things were a little bit rougher. Some of the camera work was a little bit rougher, uh, but you immediately latched onto these characters and you wanted to know more about their story, especially uh, Mal was certainly a huge one for me. And, and again, you can see, you can see where they tried to pull from some of what made Han Solo such a great character, right? He seems like he's this cold mercenary, but, he has that heart of gold and, and he can't help himself from doing the right thing. And you see a lot of that in Mal uh, throughout, especially the the main season uh, and certainly in the movie as well. He, he clearly cares about everyone on that crew. He knows that he's in charge of that crew, but by the same token, they're all part of his family and he'd do anything uh, to protect any one of them. So that, that translated very quickly when I was watching the film, certainly. Uh, and when I went back and watched the show, it was there as well. Yeah, I really... I have a um, very like close group of friends, so so something I've talked about before on the show that really always resonates with me uh, when watching anything, any sort of show, is loyalty and friendship. That really draws me into a show and makes me want to keep watching it because I, I love seeing what the characters are going to do for each other next and seeing how far they'll push it. I, I really love that. Um, at first, when I was watching the show, what really drawed me in was probably the visuals and the music. All that working together in that first episode just made me absolutely hooked. Uh, you know, the constant, like, the, all the sounds and music and, and guitar strumming that you would hear in, like, a, an Old West movie is, is, is great. It keeps me in that feeling. I, I get this certain attitude and this mood watching this show, and then, like, for the next hour after I finish watching it, I walk around with a little bit of like a, a kick in my step, you know what I mean? Like as like a cowboy, like it just, it just, it, it just infuses you with this feeling that you're in the old West and, and it makes, and it gives you this attitude of like, yeah, I don't, I'm, I, I don't need the government. I'm independent and I'm going to, I'm going to be a smuggler and I'm, I'm so cool. I, you know what? I'm Mal when in reality, you're probably uh wash, but uh, I, I'm a Mal. <laughs> yeah. And that's what draws me in. It's just the the visuals and the and the sounds and the attitude of the show is what makes me want another show, even if none of these characters are in it. I love the characters very, very much. But even if none of the characters are in it, I would still want another show just for that attitude that I have I don't think I've ever gotten from any other show that I've seen, at least not in the same way. It's so unique in that way. This, this feeling that it invokes. You know, like, The Mandalorian's a space western, right? Uh, but, like, this is, like, truly, straight up, 
a Western in every in single way. It ticks yeah. off even more boxes than like something like The Mandalorian would. And I love Westerns very, very much. Every time I play a video game and I can wear a cowboy hat, I'm wearing a cowboy hat. So that's why I want more Firefly. I love, I love spaceships and I love Westerns. So just this fusion of this perfect yeah. blending of it is what makes me love the show. And that that topic actually kind of blends in with something I was actually going to get to later, but it sort of blended in with what it is about the show that prompts people to just not let it die. And I think we're kind of hitting on it with with this subject, it, with the things we love about it. How can you let something with this many things you love about it this much? How can you let it die? You, you go you go to these conventions and see brown trench coats everywhere, right? Like uh, it's. It's just got this weird, I don't even know what the word is. I don't know how to describe it. It it almost, the, the aesthetic of the show almost feels steampunk without the steam sometimes. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah, def- West Punk. Like, am I hitting on something West with that? West Punk, yeah, that's great. I think so, West Punk. <laughs> I mean, it, you, it really is so, the quintessential Western. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it tells, and the Western is the quintessential telling of the American story. In a lot of ways, mm-hmm. you know, the you know it embodies the American spirit more than really other yep. any other type of storytelling, and I, I think that that's. But as far as why it won't die, it just I it's think it's because so the, damn good because people love it so much. It's, and it, because it's that good, right? It really is. But it, it's people. I, I watched the documentary. I don't know if y'all have ever seen the documentary that was made about it. Possible. Done the impossible. They did that documentary, and there's one person that they're interviewing, and he says, "I basically became a missionary for this show. That he he loved it so much that for Christmas that year he bought everybody he knew the box set. <laughs> you know he you know so it, it's this what thing that when you. Anytime that that you love something that much, you want to share it, and and I think it's just something that people have loved so much that they just they they ask people. You know, you talk to people, you talk go to sci-fi conventions and stuff, and you talk to people, and one thing that's going to come up at some point is, you know, is Firefly or have you watched Firefly? And mm-hmm. like I said earlier, you know, I'm sure there there are you know invariably there are people that don't like Firefly because there's people that don't like. Everything. Well, but I've never they're, met one. But, they're entitled to be wrong. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> but most people that, that like it, you know, that have seen it, really, really like it. And so you you will find more people that really like it or haven't seen it than don't like it. Everybody, deep down on the inside, wants to be a cowboy. Everybody wants to be a rebel. Everybody wants to live that life, no matter what. Well, it's cowboy, um, cowboys. Even if you say you don't. And like you're saying the Western is the quintessential American story. Right. Everybody wants to be that independent, on their own, making their way, absolute, you know. Cowboys and um, pirates. Yeah. Cowboys, Cowboys and, and pirates, pirates have right, been exactly. big sellers for a long time. Yeah, and I think that people, you know, with the show being canceled, it almost gives you this even more of a rebel feel to like it and to want it more. It's like Fox is the Alliance, and we're the brown coats still fighting this war, right, yeah. and it, and it just pushes that feeling even further of like I'm a brown coat, I'm a rebel, I am fighting for this show that was canceled unjustly, and I'm gonna fight the the the, the guy in the suit, and and I'm Gloves. a cowboy, I'm a rebel, and I, and and, I, and everybody wants to live through this show in that way. Well, it I, is without any so of the crazy. danger. 
but it's I, I so do crazy think... that they mismarketed this show so bad because anybody who's ever watched two or three episodes can see everything we just said. And what was the tagline Fox tried to use <laughs> for the show? When it first, when they first advertised it, Fox's tagline was out there. Oh, it's out there. And it was comedy. Like, and it was, and it was, and it was billed by Fox in their early advertising is the most twisted new show on television. Because they didn't know what the hell it was. <laughs> Did they watch it? Right? <laughs> I don't know that the network ever knew what they had until it was gone. And I still don't think they cared. I still don't think they cared. Even when it's gone, I don't they understand. Did. I mean, money, 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 money. Doesn't the money talk? Well, but you and, know. But the thing is, but, but Joss had like. Buffy was such a huge freaking success and, and Angel spun off and did really well. Like you would think if they gave Whedon the, the freedom to make the show he wanted to make based on the success he had had, the money he had made, why didn't they give what they let him do a chance? Because it's he fought them mind. from day one because they gave him notes and he absolutely straight up said no. He did address a lot of their issues, but he didn't want Zoe and Wash to be married. He wanted Zoe and uh, and Mal to have a thing. Wait, who did? The executives. But the executives. The executives, executives. The executives did, and, and Josh said no. My story doesn't work if you do that. It's ridiculous. Um, I wonder. I think, some, I think in the late 90s, early 2000s, if you wanted to be a TV executive at Fox, they gave you an IQ test, and if you scored over 100, <laughs> you did. <laughs> but you know Ouch. there were there were so many things that they did I, and one of the execs actually said in an interview he was talking about he said you know everybody wants to hate me for canceling it but nobody gives me credit for running it in the first place but <laughs> it, they mishandled I mean you go back and there was an interview I think the Hollywood Reporter did where they talked to a bunch of the cast and, and Alan Tudyk said I knew something was wrong from day one when we weren't given actual lunch breaks in our schedule and we had to buy our own lunch at the commissary. He said, I've never worked on anything before or since where I had to buy my own lunch when I was on set. It really appears that in planning this show that Joss rubbed somebody really the wrong way and it just was They just, were going to kill it. I mean, they put it in the Friday night slot, which is usually where things that have been running for two or three years and they're kind of dying go to die. And they put it there to begin with. And I mean, that's that slot has killed a number of good shows, including Dollhouse with another Joss Whedon show. Yeah, oh. and Doll, but Dollhouse isn't as good as Firefly. No, it's and not. This, this is Disney now, man. They could just put it on uh, Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah, and we've talked about that previously. We've actually, well, I mean, it's, we've talked about that before. Fox properties that Disney now owns, we'd like to see them revived. And of course, Firefly is on all of our list. We mentioned several others, but just if anybody wants to hear that, they can go back and listen to our other podcasts. Those <laughs> those need some more uh -huh. hits too. So go ahead. Um, but it, I don't know the show, and because we also mentioned a minute ago, just the aesthetic the show had, like uh, Andrew saying it is truly a western, and I called some of the look of the show steampunk without the steam, right? But the the language too, that something this show did, I had never seen a show do that actually makes sense is we had a little different 
changed to the, even to the English language. Mm-hmm. There's the, like the slang evolved. There's mm-hmm. a lot of Mandarin in the show because you know, and it actually makes sense that you would think over time, like we don't speak English the same way people spoke English a hundred years ago, right? Why would anyone in the future? Yeah, you can't change so much that we don't understand it, but still, it added something fun to the show, and. You know, I, every now and then I'll still go shiny. Yeah. You know, because like, <laughs> yeah. it, it just makes sense. And I was mm-hmm. actually really into the fact using the Mandarin in the show because you, you get the impression that somewhere over the next 500 years, there's a lot more Chinese influence in the world. Well, which I mean, we're not going to politics here, whether that's good right, or bad. Right. But I mean, you've got three, right. I mean, you really have three, only really three trade languages in the world now. You know, English, Spanish, and Chinese are the three major trade languages. Mm-hmm. The whole world deals in those three languages. Right. Yeah. But I, I know we've all probably got some thoughts on that because I just thought it was really creative that someone had actually right. thought to sort of evolve the English language for a show set 500 years in the future. To me, was brilliant. And I love that it was obviously used as a way to avoid uh, curse words. Right, exactly. <laughs> they made up their own curse words. Right, yeah, which I think is, like, just using the different language. I don't know if they were using Mandarin for that or just, like, gibberish. Yeah. Um, no, Mandarin. Oh, Stark Alaska did that, too. Yeah. Oh, right. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Like, but uh, I think it, I think it's, uh-huh. I thought it was so clever, and I liked it more, in the end, like, I, I liked it more than if they were just saying a curse word. It added a level of fun to it. It added a level of fun to it, and a little level of mystery, like, I wonder what he meant there, uh, exactly. You know, what you, you get what he meant, and that's just a credit to the great writing, is that even speaking Mandarin, we always understood what, with no subtitles, we always understood what was being said, and I, and I loved it. I, I loved them saying something, and I'm like, I really wish I knew which word he was calling her right now. <laughs> and so I go look it up, like, what curse word did Jane call blah, blah, blah in this episode? <laughs> like, I thought that was so clever. I, I, I fell in love with, with that idea instantly. And Rob, Rob mentioned Go Ram. That's yeah. another one I actually forgot about. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Actually, mean, yeah, it actually means damn in, in Mandarin, so. Okay, perfect. Yeah, so. Something makes more sense now. <laughs> yeah, the curse words were all, yeah, they were uh, they were all in Chinese. So, yep. that's how they got around the censorship. And and then the weird little like, like westernisms, like you know, I'm gonna throw you in jail and let you loungeify there. It's yeah. just like it's so great because it's like just weird enough that it's like, eh, not. But it, on the other hand, it kind of sounds like something my grandfather might say. Mm-hmm. My sweet old grandpa well, even, from Texas with his very Texas lingo. Well, even even when they say Goram, there's a, a couple of points where someone says Goramit. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it's like, you know, they, they put that on, on they, they do that a lot where they just yeah. kind of add to the dialect that they created for the show. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it seems like a little thing, but it, it's... It's really one of the beautiful things. I mean, this really is Joss Whedon's masterpiece, mm-hmm. and it may it just it makes the world that much more immersive and believable. And like Andrew just called it, Joss Whedon's masterpiece, and that's really saying a lot because I'm a huge fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That show was also brilliant. Firefly though just took it to another level, and it's just a shame it wasn't nearly as successful as Buffy or Angel. Uh, they, they really missed out on something with this. But anyway, because the show also gave us 
a lot of these great actors that have gone on to be in other things that we mm. all love. Nathan Fillion has basically become a sci-fi god at this point yeah. because of this <laughs> show. And I still watch him on television. He does. He, does, he hasn't starred in anything in years that we would talk about on our podcast. He was in Castle, which was a show I enjoyed. He's in The Rookie now, which is a very good show. I enjoy The Rookie. But actually, I started watching those shows just because of him. Mm-hmm. So, And like I said, it's not stuff we would talk about on our podcast, but you know, Adam Baldwin went on to be in Chuck, which is a show we never talk about, but yeah. you know, Chuck's got some sci-fi elements to oh, it. Absolutely. You know, and, and Summer Glau is actually probably the most talented of the bunch. Mm-hmm. It just has been snake bit. Bless her heart. Some of the stuff she did was impressive. I, I always go back to her and you know, she, what she did as an actor was different because she had to do a lot of her stuff without a lot of words. A lot mm-hmm. of explanation. Right. And of course, her, her fight scene in Serenity, the two fight scenes in Serenity, I, we always talk about the last one. It's really the, the bar fight that's the most impressive because it's the one we really get to watch. And I love that one because she was a professional dancer. And when you get back to that, when she was working with the stuntmen because they wanted her to do it, and the stuntmen couldn't keep up because she learned the choreography so quickly that after a few takes, they couldn't keep up with her anymore. But, you know, and 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 not just the ones I've mentioned, but Alan Tudyk, who actually, at, yeah, who actually had first seen in A Night's Tale, and he's hilarious in A Night's Tale. Yes. And, of course, he gave, he gave us K2SO now, thank God. Uh, he's probably the most successful uh, out of everybody, yeah. it looks like. He, well, with voice acting. Marina Baccarin, though. Yeah. Marina's, I mean, we're talking about the Deadpool movies. Gotham. Oh yeah. Uh, all these all these are I mean they're Gina Torres is is, is still in on mm-hmm. television today. Oh they're all very uh, all successful. these have gone on to still be successful. Thank God, because they all deserve it. Just because this show didn't catch on. Thank God they're all still working. But it's just a testament to the amount of talent Josh Whedon was able to put together mm-hmm. for a show that didn't even make it. Yeah. It's just nuts. And Christina Hendricks as well. She was only in two episodes, but I I love her two episodes. I mentioned earlier, Saffron is the yeah, spinoff I want. That's the spinoff you want, huh? So somebody but, uh, had asked. Now, I didn't actually watch Buffy, but. You can't do that, Marissa. I know. You have to finish. I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to say this. Uh, what? This the, the question handle. about what are your thoughts on Firefly and Buffy being set in the, in the angel? Or, or what are, or, yeah, no, Firefly and Angel. One. Just skip that one on purpose. Are you serious? <laughs> We gotta answer it. Somebody asked it. There are there are no there are no vampires on Firefly as far as we know. So I don't know if it's set in the same universe or not. And I don't know, man. Remember got some serious vampire energy. Well, there you go. There's your sequel. Now we do Buffy, but you know, five hundred years into the future. Weavers versus vampires. Is that the show we're gonna get? Oh, that would be that'd be a good one. Wow. (laughs) Reavers are vampires. Plot twist. No, they're zombies, actually. Oh, I mean, yeah, but, you know, I'm just Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> it could certainly be a, an interesting concept. But like I said, I never watched Buffy, so I, I didn't have but a no, take on that. I don't know if it's set in the same world. I hadn't heard anybody say it's set in the same world. There are no vampires in it, so I'm going to guess it's not. But secondly, even if it is, I guess it could be. It's 500 years in the future. In the universe. Maybe it is. They didn't go to the planet with vampires. I really want to just kind of let everybody sort of wrap up with their final thoughts on on the show. Your favorite episodes, your favorite characters. Um, just anything we didn't touch on as we were going along. I was going to let Rob start. And just anything else you want to touch on and say about the show before we wrap up? Um, picking a 
favorite episode. I, the one that really stands out to me was Out of Gas, um, which was kind of mm-hmm. mid-season, uh, but that was a, a great episode. Um, mm-hmm. And again, with as far as the characters go, I mean, I, I think Mal certainly stood out as my favorite character. I love uh, Wash as well. Um, anything related to uh, uh, to uh, Alan Tudyk is amazing. So he certainly has gotten some of the recognition he deserves. But um, I, I would, I'm the same type of person who would watch anything that Nathan Fillion's in. I just think that he he always plays a great character, uh, and he clearly was thoroughly invested in Mal. And that, to me, he and he and Gina Torres were the two that really sold the show for me. And, and just to touch on something you just said. And I already mentioned, I started watching Castle and yeah. the rookie because of Nathan Fillion. Yeah. Uh, he's the only reason I watched those shows. I've enjoyed them both. Um, but the character wasn't even originally written for Nathan Fillion. Hmm. That was, was it Nicholas Brendan who played Xander on Buffy? That's who Josh wanted. That hmm. was, he originally wrote that show with uh, the actor from Xander huh. on In Mind. And now I could never imagine it. Hmm. Thank God we got Nathan Fillion. It's just crazy how things work out. Yeah. But um, uh, that was just to roll off your thought there, Rob. Yeah. But do Andrew, Marisha, y'all have any any other thoughts? So I think I think the first episode of Firefly I, I ever saw was at Andrew's house when we were dating. It apparently, I guess it wasn't the first time you saw it. There must have been another round of Firefly viewings later on at some point. Um, but they were watching Shindig. I came in like halfway through it and I was like, what the heck is going on here? I mean, they've got like the duel and it's like very sort of like aristocratic. And I was like, so what is it set in like the old South? And then it was like, and here's the ship. I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. They're like, it's a space Western. Like, it's a what? It's a weird place to pick up, if anyone's wondering. A very weird place to pick um, Firefly up. But in retrospect, I think it may be one of my favorites. It's got some of the best. Um, it's got some of the best kind of dynamics. You know, you get to really see Mal and Inara get into it a, a few times, and and Kaylee is just so precious in her little fluffy dress. Like she's yeah. You know, I've got daughters who I hope will. Um, you know, kind of retain that kind of wide-eyed in- innocence um, in, in life. But, yeah, she's just got that. I just love the, you know, her, and she's eating those strawberries, you know. Um, so I think Shindig is probably my favorite. But, man, I, I, one of the things we haven't really talked about is just the daggum one-liners. I mean, so many perfect little exchanges, you know. Well, I aim to misbehave, you know. It's just. The first line ever written. <laughs> yes it's uh you know it's one of um <clears throat> it's really one of the things whedon does better than any just about anybody it's really he really left his mark on the mcu you know in the the early days of the the mcu with the the first team up movie there and then again with ultron and um and that has been something that has persisted and i and i really feel like you know that was something that he really perfected with with this show. I will end you. Yes, I mean, just so many, just great, you know, big damn heroes, sir. You know, I mean, just so many great exchanges, and it's like that's I, I think just besides all of the kind of world building, just the great, just sort of 
you know, deadpan humor that everybody pulls off. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just the best. Uh, so I think that that's got to be, if we're talking like very favorite things about that show, I think that's got to be on the list. But David, what, what, what kind, what was your favorite episode of the show? And what are just your final thoughts on it? Oh. Um, I think about episodes that really stand out, uh, really think about moments that stand out. Uh, the train job is really, really good to me. Uh, I love the scene at the end when he returns the medicine and uh, that sheriff's like, a uh, man has a choice. And Malcolm says, I don't think he does. Love that. We were talking about one-liners. Mm-hmm. Love that line. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's a great episode for um, for Mal's character. Uh, our Mrs. Reynolds is, uh, is great. You're talking about Saffron. With, um, I, I, that's that episode i mean she tricked me you know yeah. uh so I, that's what i loved uh watching that all unfold you said shindig was great out of gas stands out for me too i every time i think about it, it's my favorite but i think probably my favorite episode is war stories mm. when yeah uh, they're captured by that crime lord and, and tortured and and just the big action scene at the end is is, is really really awesome and you see river just freaking no scope those guys at the end they're like i love that and my favorite characters, um, but also every episode is great. Every episode is, is great and rewatchable. Uh, my favorite characters, uh, I've said before, uh, Jewel State is my uh, new celebrity crush, and Kaylee's my retroactive childhood crush. I actually like love that character. I think she's so much fun, and um, I love her relationship with everyone else on the crew. Uh, like I said, I was saying before, what, something, one of the things I love about the show is how the characters are so loyal to each other. The characters, when they're loyal to each other, and when they show love for each other, that really endears me. And, mm-hmm. and uh, Kaylee's definitely the heart of that. Mm-hmm. So she's one of my favorites. Um, I think uh, Wash was great. I loved Shepard Book a lot. I loved all the characters, but my, my favorite is it's Malcolm. He's the it's the, the show. It's his show. Yeah. Uh, every character is amazing, but Malcolm. I mean, yeah. Everybody wants to be a Malcolm. You know, yeah. like I said, everyone thinks they're a Malcolm. They're probably a Wash, but we all want to be a Malcolm. Yeah. Andrew, did you have uh, anything else you wanted to mention about the show? I mean, you know, I could, of course, talk about this show forever, but I, as far as it's so hard to pick a favorite episode of this, I've always really liked, I, I think I might actually be in the minority on this one, but um, Objects in Space, uh, Jubal Early. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a very strange character, but it's such a, it, it's one of the more interesting looks into river that we get yeah. in, in the entire series. I, I got a big kick out of Jubal early as well. He's a very well, interesting, you know, one-off character. What? Kit, I want to stop you for a second. Cause I want to get your thoughts on something. When mm-hmm. you mentioned objects in space, it creates an interesting jumping off point for serenity though, for the movie. Yeah. Because that's our last that's our last episode of the series proper. And at the end of that episode you you start to feel like they have a value to River. Mm-hmm. Like she she really solidified herself as part of the group with that. Mal saw value in her. He you know it, you understand what I'm trying to right, say. Right. Like that one felt like she was really solidly part of the group that she was part of the crew, they were going to protect her, and very early in the movie, 
he's ready to dump her. Did you did you think that sort of created a weird jumping point for the movie? Is there a contradiction there to you? Because it always felt just a little bit odd to me. Even though, was, even though I love the movie. I don't think so. I, I think that the movie gives you the... I think they did a good job with the movie of giving you the feeling that time had passed. How much, we don't really know. But, you know, if you want to go there, Mal is very different in the movie, at least through the first half of the movie, than he is at any point in the show. You're at the, the first half of the movie, you're really seeing Mal at just about his worst. Yeah. You get the feeling he's been in a mood for a couple of months now. Yeah, I mean, you get the feeling that ever since he ran Anara off that things have been spiraling. Okay. That, I just want your perspective on it. Cause you, mm-hmm. no, I, I didn't think that I didn't think for, you know, I would have loved, you know, I'd love for all of us to talk about this. If y'all want to have a, a thought on it. Uh, I didn't mention it because I didn't think of it. So Andrew mentioned objects in space, but no, I, I think, yes, it does. It on? does feel like, I mean, there, there is kind of this feeling of disconnect between where that ends and where the movie picks up. But I think it's intentional. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's to give you the feeling that something has happened since you left off. It's it's not to make you feel like you picked up right where you left off with these characters. Well, because I did notice like what he's saying. My my kind of thing was in um whenever they were on Ariel and there, you know, Jane calls the authorities on him and Mal's getting ready to, to throw him out the airlock, you know, because you turned on a member of my crew. And then at the beginning of the movie, he's kind of maybe not quite so confident that they're part of his crew. So yeah. that did seem a little bit, maybe a little bit disconnected to me, but maybe, maybe you're right, Andrew, maybe it's a kind of factoring in sort of people, you know, over the course of time, you just kind of, maybe we feel like we missed something. Yeah. That's something no, that I was... did bother me about Serenity that I forgot to mention earlier, but like I did notice that same thing where I'm like, they're a little too eager to get them Even at the beginning of Serenity, they're bringing River on, on the, on the job. You know, and she's being helpful and useful. She saved their lives on that job. You can argue that in Objects in Space, that bounty hunter never would have been there in the first place if it wasn't for her, right? Mm-hmm. But in the in the first scene, like one of the first scenes of the movie, she saves their lives from getting eaten alive by Reavers, you know, um, by by knowing that they were coming. So that kind of bothers me that they that you know Mao was so kind of ready to give it up and it was it was like you know reluctant hero but maybe maybe they were reluctant for just a little bit too long in 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 serenity so i have noticed that and that did bother me a little bit actually well i I didn't want to spend too much time on it i just like i said when andrew mentioned objects in space it reminded me of it Mm -hmm. um but just to wrap it up for me uh, i did love out of gas like rob mentioned earlier and you kind of got to see how all these people came together, why they're important to each other, why serenity is important to Mal. I love the fact that he didn't buy the ship. The salesman was trying to sell Right, him. yeah. He looked out there, he saw something in serenity no one else could see. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, it was a beautifully written episode. So not running? Not so much. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it was it was a beautifully written episode. I love that one. And I like our Mrs. Reynolds just because Christina Hendricks absolutely makes you believe in that episode. She absolutely makes you believe she could seduce any man alive. It just, it works so well. Whenever, whenever she kisses Mal and he faints, she sort of went, Oh, holy shit. You know? And you realize uh, you probably would have kissed her too. Out of that one. 
I just, I really got a kick out of that episode. Uh, and, but, but out of gas really is probably my favorite. And I think it's probably most people's, but anyway, I, I think that's all we've got. Unless anybody else has anything else to add. We've been, <laughs> well, I think we uh, could go on for a while, but I think that's a good place to leave it off. Yeah. So until next time, then Marisha, where can people find you on the internet? You can find me. My website is princessesandpadawans.com. I am on Instagram as princesses underscore and underscore Padawans and P Padawans on Twitter. All right. And Andrew? Okay. You can find me running the Twitter account for this show at Sa underscore Fictionary. You can find me hosting our other show, Coruscant Radio Underground, that comes out on Tuesdays. And the Twitter account for that show is crew, that's C-R-U underscore podcast. You can find us at thesciencefictionary.com. You can find us as well as the rest of our podcast family at red5network.com. You can drop us a line this at thesciencefictionary at gmail.com. That, that list is getting longer and longer. <laughs> but uh, David, where are you on the internet? Uh, you guys can find me on my YouTube channel where I do podcasts and similar things. Uh, creative D and D and you guys can find me on my Twitter, which is stay underscore creative DD. All right. And our guest tonight, Rob, uh, where, where can people find you till next time? Yeah, you can find our podcast at uh, jtapodcast.com. It can be reached via Gmail at jtapodcast at gmail.com and uh, out on any of the socials at jtapodcast. Uh, also part of the Red 5 Network with uh, Andrew and Marisha. So definitely check that out. There's a lot of great podcasts that are part of that Red 5 family. Yep. Don't just look for, for us here at the Science Fictionary Podcast or Coruscant Radio Underground or uh, Jedi Temple. All of our podcasts that are a member of the Red 5 family, we would like you to check them all out. If you enjoy this show or, or any of our others, you'll enjoy all of them, I think. So I am Dan C. Peeps on Twitter, and we'll see you next time. With all my fears and sorrows close, I'm hanging on, just hanging on. I wish that you were here with me to sail the sky serenity and take me high or take me low through to the end where I may go if I can stand then I shall pass pass beyond this night of black pass beyond this night